It's the Geeky Waffle Podcast. Welcome to the Geeky Waffle. I'm Candace, and today we're talking about Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. Netflix recently released Slumberland, a movie starring Jason Momoa, and it's based on this comic that came out in 1905 by Windsor McKay, and it followed the adventures of Little Nemo in this dreamland. The comic ran until 1927 after it lost popularity with readers. But the version of Slumberland we're talking about today is the most terrifying one. The 1989 musical fantasy anime Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. This movie was released. It was released in Japan in 1989 while the U.S. had a release date in 1992. This movie is infamous for being in developmental hell with many people such as George Lucas, Chuck Jones, Ray Badbury, the Sherman Brothers, and many more being tied to this project, but later dropping out. The film received mostly positive reviews, however, it was a box office bomb, making only $11.4 million out of the $35 million budget. However, it developed a cult following after selling well in home video. That's how I saw it as a kid. I vividly remember being at a sleepover with my friend Nicole, her mom worked at a rental store so we could get like a bunch of rentals, and watching this movie and not being able to sleep afterwards. Roger Ebert gave it two stars and bashed the title character, saying Nemo himself has the IQ of an eggplant, but at least he doesn't talk very much. I wanted to discuss this nostalgic fright with someone who was also traumatized by it. But here's my conversation with my friend Krista, who also remembers this nightmare in Slumberland. I wanted to talk with Krista about this movie, about our personal experience and opinions about it, because I feel like we can't do it justice without talking about how terrified this, how terrifying this was for children. Krista, do you agree? Oh, I agree completely. Because you look at the title and you're like, oh, it looks like a sweet mashup of something like Finding Nemo and Bedknobs and Broomsticks. But it is actually the stuff of nightmares for me as a child. Like this movie terrified me when I was little. I think one of the reasons it was so terrifying was the bedroom and the bed is supposed to be like a safe place for a kid. You're like, oh, it's sleepy time. I'm on my covers. And no, the bed like moves and takes you places that you might not want to be. It's just so funny because I have such vivid memories of parts of this movie and rewatching it, I thought I would remember a lot of it, but really it's just the parts that scared me that I remember. Yeah, it's strange. I don't remember seeing this. So I don't remember repeatingly. I don't remember owning this. And I think I only saw it a couple times as a kid, but I remembered a lot, like the visuals at least. Yeah, I remember the characters, what they looked like. I remembered kind of what the the world looked like and felt like. But honestly, the, what I really remembered was the door. Tell us about the door, Krista. Let me tell you about the door. So the part that scared me the most wasn't the demon nightmare king, wasn't the black ooze, wasn't the goblins. It was the door that all this stuff was hidden behind. And the whole movie, I'm like waiting for this door because that's what I remember the most vividly. 
And so I think what it is that it was the unknown that scared me as a kid. I had an overactive imagination. So the idea of this door that hid behind it, like your greatest fear, like your greatest nightmare was a terrifying concept to me. It wasn't a, what's the word? It's a big concept for a kid that you like understood that and like understood the fear of that. And it's actually a really good narrative device too. It's a good narrative device that we don't know what it is, but it's there. It's like not seeing the monster. Yeah, it's this thing that's forbidden. It's this big imposing door. And of course, you know, there's intense music when you first see it. So it's the movie's giving you all these cues that this is something you should be afraid of. And then when they first open it, there's this black, oozy, nothingness evil behind it so again something scary because it's unknown exactly what it is they wanted the g rating to mass market it to kids i'm surprised they got g because this is still terrifying it deals with nightmares like the whole concept is that they're fighting this nightmare land so there's a lot of scary stuff however like looking at it now compared to stuff that i've seen since it the animation and everything like it's not scary like, it's not scary watching it as an adult because the animation is, like, so sweet and whimsical and stuff like that. Yeah, the animation's adorable. It's... The thing that I bothered me even as a kid was how Nemo... He lives in New York City and all of a sudden, like, he's, like, invited to go hang out with Princess Camille. And her father's like, you're my new heir. Yeah. And what happened to the princess, his actual daughter? Like, why is she not the heir to the kingdom? It makes no sense to me. They don't explain that. They don't explain it. There is not even a line that like, oh, only the male line can inherit. Because we know in history, that's been a thing. But he's not even related to them by blood. So it makes no sense that he would pass over his daughter for a random kid he basically picked off the streets. <laughs> Yeah, it was very <laughs> random. He's like, I'm giving you this key that basically holds the fate of our entire world in the balance. You just met this kid. You just met this kid. I know he helped you fix your train, but come on. <laughs> Is that all it takes? What did you think of Flip? He was played <laughs> by Mickey Rooney in the American version. I was like, wow, that voice is familiar. Why is that? Mickey Rooney's delightful because it's Mickey Rooney. The character is like full of stereotypes and there's some other stuff we're going to have to talk about the character. But I don't know if we want to get into that yet. Let's just do it. Okay. There's some racism in this movie. Roger Ebert had written or in his original review of this movie that the animation falls into that trap of like identifying the villains by their darker complexions and the heroes by their lighter skins. And he writes that the character Flip, for instance, is just the side of a minstrel show caricature. And so there's just a lot of racist coding. Like it's subtle, so a lot of kids wouldn't pick up on it. But then there were even servants at one point in the movie that also looked like there was some racial coding happening in the animation. Definitely. And Little Nemo is like completely white. I'm saying like white skin tone. I'm saying he is white. <laughs> I was like, is that kid, like, breathing? He needs some sun. And again, this isn't the first time Mickey Rooney has done a character like that. I keep thinking of Breakfast at Tiffany's. And yeah, so 
Nikki Bruni's legacy right there. And yeah, I got uncomfortable watching the scene where Little Nemo is told, oh, all your tutors are here and the servants come. And yeah, it was just weird. Did some racisms. Yeah. And then there's also some sexism as well, which we had already talked a little bit about why the princess isn't going to inherit the throne, which seemed really weird. But when he first gets this invite from this like dream world, like this crazy cool thing's happening to him and the invites for him to go be a playmate to the princess, he's like, ugh, a girl. He's like, I've never played with a girl before. Gross. (laughs) Gross. And he only says yes because she bribed him with a bunch of cookies. Yeah, he's like, I love girls now. Yeah, I love girls. And then gets there and he still is like, oh, I don't actually want to play with this girl. And something else that I realized as I was watching. So if the king makes Nemo a prince, then it implies that he's going to marry the princess. But nobody really mentions that strings attached. Yeah. Or playmate indeed. Yeah, when he accepted the invitation for a play date, he didn't know it was actually an <laughs> invitation to wed her. Yes. Very awkward. What did you think of little Nemo's like kind of sidekick, Icarus, who is a flying squirrel? I loved Icarus. Icarus is great. I'd say Icarus is like uh, the precursor to the squirrel in enchanted oh yeah makes me think of that just very cute talks but you can't really like understand exactly what he's saying too much a little bit does a lot of the really like animated acting out i thought icarus was fantastic he was definitely like as a kid you're like oh my god he's so cute there's a character the imp that wasn't included because of racism Oh, they're like, this is too racist. We need to cut this. Yeah, this is the 80s. I don't know. It's a, you, after you watched it, I was like, it's crazy. And you're like, it's whimsical. And that's a very good word for it. It's whimsical. It's very out there. It's very whimsical. I liked the animation for the most part. Like it was very simple like it did seem like something out of a kid's imagination like all the bright colors were really bright and everything that was scary was like dark and foreboding and obviously there were a couple things in the animation we had problems with but for the most part i thought it was just a really nice whimsical kids adventure yeah and well you have to say the imagery obviously stuck with both of us for years afterwards Literally a door, an animation of a door stuck with me (laughs) for 20 years. Me is just that bed moving around and he thinks that it's, he's home, but he's not home. Freaked me out for some reason. That I vividly remember. I think a lot of people have those dreams, or I know I've had those dreams before you, where you think you wake up from your dream and you realize you're still sleeping and that keeps happening to him. Yeah. And that's just, you think you're home, you think you're safe. You're not so do you think it was real Sumberland, or is all this kid's dream in the end of the movie they did make it seem like it was just his dream and all the people that he met 
a lot of the people that he met in the dream world, he had met already in the circus parade. But I hate when things, the parade that the circus people were doing. I know, but circus parade, I put in my notes, I'm like, are circus parades like a known thing? Because like, Little Nemo just says it and I'm like, what? But I hate movies where they wake up like, it was all a dream. Like, I don't like that interpretation of the Wizard of Oz. I don't like any of those interpretations. I like that it actually happened. Otherwise, it's kind of like what I just watched a dream. There's like no consequences for this hour I just watched of these characters. So I'd like to pretend it's real. Interesting thing about Wizard of Oz, the reason they changed it from the book ending of it being real is because they wanted women, they wanted women to be at home. Are you serious? Yeah, I think that should be another video for us because I just, it's just so because in the books, everything's real. Dorothy actually goes to Oz, but the movie famously, she wakes up and she's like, there's no place like home. Yeah, because there's multiple books in that series. Couldn't all be dreams. But it was 1939. They wanted the ladies to stay home and wanted them to think, yes, there is no place like home. I'm really disappointed, but I'm also glad that as a child, I was like, no, it's better if it's real. Good on me as a child. <laughs> That's what I'm taking away from this. I'm so sorry to tell you this. <laughs> but yeah, it could be real. We don't know. I think it's more fun to think that it's real. Just like as a little kid, I wanted to think it was real because then it could happen to you. You could wake up one night and be asked to go to this amazing kingdom and to be a guest of honor and to like find that there were these worlds like not like your own. So yeah. I think it's more fun in that interpretation. Definitely. But also, Krista, that means the door exists. That's why I'm so scared of it. It's real. It makes sense. The door rep and what's behind it represent nightmares. And even though in the end of the movie, he defeats the Nightmare King and they say, oh, the nightmares are gone forever. Like, you can't get rid of nightmares. Like, no. nightmares are a thing, just like dreaming is. So yeah. you can't ever truly beat them. Not a good lesson for kids. No, it was a lie. Everything was a lie. <laughs> 